Welcome to What Shall We Say to These Things. I'm TJ. And I'm MJ. And this is your Loki Ghetto Bible Study. Mm-hmm. And we've made it finally to the end of Esther. Yep. Um, we... It's been a long time coming. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing today. We'll look at the last few verses of chapter 9. That's verses what? 20 to 32. Ah, 20 to 32 and the three verses of chapter, chapter 10. 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So, as usual, if you're just joining us on this journey, we would recommend that you you, you catch up on the rest of the book. Um, because this is just this is the last dregs. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is the end, end, and everything else will give better context and background and, and an idea of what we're talking about in this one. Right. Um, um you could check out. Um, we created an Esther playlist on our channel, so you could just follow that. Or if you check the description, you'll see a list of all the previous episodes in there as well. As usual, we invite you to pause at this time and say a prayer, and then we'll get into it. All right. Um, and as usual, what we do is we're going to go through, um, TJ is going to review the passage and sections. We'll talk about it, what stood out to us, and then we'll answer our main questions, what we learn uh, about God from this. And what can we learn about how we should live our lives? Yeah. Yep, yep. So, we're starting with um, chapter 9, verses 20 to 27. And so far, um, in the first part of um, chapter 9, we were looking at what happens on D-Day. Mm. Um, we were talking about the Jews defending themselves and what happened as a result of that. So, that has passed. And so from chapter 20, we, we're talking about what happened after that. Yeah. From verse 20, not chapter 20. From verse 20, we're talking about what happened after that. So basically, we're told that Mordecai records the event. So everything that happened, it looks like from the very, very beginning of their wars and troubles, Mordecai possibly records everything. Okay. Right? And like, I have no grounds to say this, but I get the feeling, like, no grounds, that Mordecai wrote Esther. Mm, yeah, because he. Let's talk about this after. Okay, eh? let's talk about it after. Eh? Okay, so um, he records the event and then he sends letters to the Jews, and when when we looked at the first half of chapter nine, we talked about the fact that some of them celebrated on the fourteenth and some of them celebrated on the fifteenth, based on what happened in their respective areas. And so Mordecai sends a message saying. Hey guys, from now henceforth, we're going to celebrate on both the 14th and the 15th of mm-hmm. the month of Adar. Right? Every year, we're going to have the celebration. And um, he said that they should feast and they should send gifts of food to each other and they should also give to the poor on these days. It's, it's supposed to be a celebration. And so the Jews continued the celebration that they had begun based on what Mordecai had written to them. So yes, we, we last, last year we celebrated on the 14th here and the people over there celebrated on the 15th over there but from this year going forth we're celebrating on both the 14th and 15th and it says that it documents why they celebrated because Haman had schemed to destroy them and had cast lots or per for their demise but when the king found out he sent out orders that led to the destruction that Haman the destruction for Haman that he had intended for the Jews and this became the fate for him and his sons and so the days of celebration were called Purim, 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 I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, based on the word Pur, meaning lots. 
And because of what was in the letter and everything that they had experienced, the Jews set it as a custom that they, their descendants, and anyone who joined them, as I guess as a community or possibly possibly their religion, would follow these customs at the same time every year. So that's 20 to 27. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. um, this was a struggle, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because, like, there's not much happening okay. here. Okay. There's right? a lot of verses, but... Uh, yeah, there's not much happening here. But what I, what I found interesting is that by sending out this letter, Mordecai establishes himself in, as a, having a position of power. Among the Jews, amongst yeah. the Jews, right? Um, he's he's the Persian second hand man, um, second in command. Yeah. <laughs> he's the Persian, so he has authority over um, over the empire, people mm. of the empire. But that I never thought of that. Yeah. Uh, by sending out that letter, he's saying, "I am a leader of the Jews, not necessarily in the sense that I will boss you around, but I um." I have influence over you, and this is how I'm going to use my influence. That's interesting. That's very interesting. But I feel like that happens naturally. You put somebody, um, like we we spoke about when we spoke about Mordecai's um, role change. We spoke about Obama, Barack Obama mm-hmm, becoming mm-hmm. president, and um, I feel like immediately he became a. a it like momenta is not the right word because that it kind of um talks about relationship maybe role model a role model yeah, yeah he became somebody to look up to um for black people everywhere mm-hmm. so i think that that's a natural progression when know? one of us is in power right. there is that um there's also that localized power among us right and that's 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 that we could I didn't see this, but that's something we could take away mm-hmm. about us us being us recognizing our influence mm-hmm. when we in position. I think I have that as I don't remember. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um the second thing I have that stood out to me is that the celebration was accepted for the Jews at the time. The Jews at the time said, Yes, we are going to celebrate on the 14th and the 15th. But they went a step further and they saying we are not the only ones who are going to celebrate. Mm. We're going to have our kids and our grandkids and anybody who decides to become one of us, they are going to celebrate as well. Mm. So I thought that was interesting that it's not, this is not a temporary God, well, I don't say God, I don't know that they were necessarily saying, I I, I want to assume that they say, (laughs) yes, God has come for us. We have received our deliverance, but it's not just we're celebrating this right now. For the rest of our history, we are going to celebrate this deliverance. And we had this conversation last night where you were saying that this is still something that they celebrate to this day. Right. Yeah. But like, what stood out to me about that is that the, the celebration after the new decree goes out is spontaneous. Mm-hmm. People are um, feasting and, and, and enjoying themselves. And even their celebration after the after they fight their enemies Mm -hmm. that is spontaneous but mordecai and as we find later esther has to send out a a a decree another decree i guess um to make it a commemorative celebration Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so 
after after their immediate deliverance, it's just like yes, we're happy, but the remembrance of it, the um moving forward, the future, looking back, has to be something that is um asked of them. And I thought that was that that is so um but I human. <laughs> I don't know if that it was necessarily asked because I don't because like. I, I feel like as humans we love to celebrate and it's like birthdays we will like if after our first birthday like we could have not celebrated again after that but it's something we want to do so I don't know on like anniversaries so I don't know if it's necessarily that they were being asked of but I think it was like let's make this a uniform celebration but this this is something that Jews have been doing. <laughs> you have Passover. Mm-hmm. You have um um I think you have the f- the one with the the tents the tent celebration to after to commemorate their time in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. So I think this is something they've learned to do mm-hmm. to look back. This is where God has brought us from, and um our children will always know where we came from. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is something um. But I thought it was interesting that they had to document it. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay. Had to send out a letter and have everybody do it. You have any points you want to share? Um, I have a couple more, but let's break it up. I just thought it was cool that um, this festival, this you call it a festival, is still celebrated up to this day. I did, I got, um, I went to just see what it's like. And um, it's there seems to be a lot of enjoyment, mm-hmm. um, and just my favorite part of the whole celebration is that <laughs> when they read the story, um, anytime Haman's name comes up, <laughs> the the crowd boos. I feel like <laughs> that 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 is definitely a good way to read the story. Yeah. Um, but it made me think. Um, this is Persia. This is the Persian Empire. This is before the Roman Empire. Does that mean Jesus would have celebrated Purim? Mm. That was what came to mind. And I'm like, that would be interesting. Yeah. That would be... Because he would have he celebrated Passover. Yeah. And so if it existed at that point in time, if though the Jews brought it um, back to... Um, when they moved back to Judah. Um, well, I don't know if everybody moved back. Yeah. yeah. But, no, but that, I think it was sort of... Because I think... Um, we had this conversation at some point where we talked about the 127 provinces, including being inclusive of, of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah. And um, I think it would have, I think it would have spread. I think it would have spread. And so that would, that's, a, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I found interesting is that, in the very brief retelling that they do in those verses, the king is almost set as the hero of the story. Because they talk about the king finding oh, out. Oh, the recap. Yeah. He's they like, talk about the and king. He kills Haman. The king finds out and he sets a decree to have um, Haman destroyed. And I was like, but, but I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> but at the same time, you know? It, it, the name of the book is not Xerxes. Okay. But like, but that's my thing. Because my, fo- my follow-up point for that is that Esther is not mentioned in this part okay. of the book. And it's in the, it's also not mentioned the part that she plays. Okay. Right? So, um, 
that was my so that's what stood out to me in this that we mentioned the king in this in the brief retelling and we put him in a position of heroship or of savior um in terms of what happens to him which i understand because he was actually he's he, he's the one who came through for them in relation to him but esther is not mentioned i mean the book is named after her like yeah. like this is a flashback to chapter one where we read an entire chapter about a, a in a book named after esther and esther is not mentioned like that's where it took me back to. um and my final point on this was that the sending out of this letter to me was significant and important. And I think we we talked about this a little bit. I mentioned it a little bit. Is because the people in in Shusha Susa or Shushan celebrated on the fifteenth, and the people in everywhere else celebrated on the fourteenth. And so this sending out of this memo of this letter was like, guys, I know you celebrated on this day and you celebrated on this day, but going forward, we're going to celebrate on those days. Mm. Yeah. And that leads back to the whole unity we yeah. were talking about. And I think it was a nice thing to not choose either or. Because, mm. uh, like, it was... Sig- I think each day was significant to each group because of this was their point of celebrating their deliverance mm. in, from where they were. And so accepting both things was like... Mm. You have the surrounding villages celebrating on the 14th, but the the Jews in Susan have not been fully delivered yet. Their mm-hmm. enemies are still um, a threat to them. And so to choose that day to celebrate is is to, to say... To almost dismiss right. um, the fact that they were still in battle on that day. Yeah. yeah. But that's cool. Yeah. So those are my points for that section. you have anything else you want to add? No. Okay. No. All right. So we're looking at the last, I think that's six or seven verses, 28 to 32. So Mordecai sends the letter out and then everybody's agreeing, yes, we were going to celebrate on these two days and it's going to be celebrated by the Jews of every generation everywhere. And it will be continued and it will be passed on and the reason for it will be passed on as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's the significant point that they make. And then they get a second letter. And this one is not just, the first one Mordecai sends it, but this one is, Mordecai and Esther, or Esther and Mordecai, yeah? <laughs> um, and I think it it was lending another level of authority mm-hmm. to the letter. And credibility. And credibility, yeah. And so they write this letter together, and Mordecai sends it out again to all the Jews in the provinces. And I like that they specifically mentioned that they send them words of peace and truth to establish and verify the dates of firm based on what Esther and Mordecai had created and what they, the Jews, had set for themselves as well. And it was for the generations to come based on when they had fasted and cried. And Esther's decree confirmed everything related to Purim. And I like that it ends with by saying that, and it was recorded in the records of, I guess, Persia. I'm, I'm not sure what it records, but like, that's, that's, that's the end of this portion. Okay. So, what are your thoughts? What are your views? I just wish the previous generations had done a better job of documenting and recording history. Like mm. I feel like there's some there is some debate as to whether Esther is like historically um the book. The book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether it's um not they're saying it's historically accurate in the sense that a lot of the details are they they can be what's the word? Corroborated? Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. But um you're not sure that it actually happened. 
But like, I think if the people in the in the back in the in the past did a better job of documenting, but maybe it's not even their fault because it's the generations after them that had to preserve. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I'm I have a bone to pick with those people. Um, There's still previous generations. Right. Yeah. That because like. There's so many, um, the history of the this and the this king. And I'm like, is it, I feel like if those books had been found and have been found, I don't know if anybody's listening and knows about them, I would be interested to um, hear about it. I feel like it becomes difficult to, um, to challenge mm-hmm. certain books in the Bible mm-hmm. yeah, as not being true or being historically inaccurate. So I wish they had been a little bit more preservation. There's that fire, the fire of Alexandria, and oh, okay. If so, if you have, if you if if we're tracking it, that would have been, would that have been before or after Persia? That would be after Persia. I think if it's potentially after Persia, then yeah, that that would tie into. That's what we need to research. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, I like that Esther Esther steps in here. And lends, like we said, um, her authority, her power, her credibility to, to Mordecai's mission. I guess it would have been partly her mission as well. But she was like, you know what? I, I put my stamp on my seal on this <laughs> as well. You know, make it credible, credible. I like that. Especially since I was annoyed that she was not mentioned in the previous mm-hmm. portion of the um, thing. Because she's like, just put her life on the line, mm-hmm. you know? Multiple um, times. It, you understand? So I liked that she came in to play here and it was like, I will do one last deed <laughs> in, in the storyline. I put my seal on it. Um, so I appreciated that. Um, and I think the this, this second letter in particular was a sh- an excellent show of goodwill to the Jews from the queen and the king's secondhand man. Like, I feel like, you know, the people in authority have you at heart they have your best interest at heart. They're encouraging you to take two days to celebrate. It was yeah. a good, it was like a show. That was, that was, that was that. Yeah. But that's interesting as well. How, how, like, the Jews made it work. Because in, in certain, so let's even talk about the Caribbean. Based on um, what the primary religion is in, in an island is based is how your holidays will be set mm-hmm. up. So people who do not, um, who are not, what do you call What do you call it? What do you call them? I don't know. People who don't have the religion, the main religion in the, within the country that they live in, how do they manage when it comes to, to their holidays, their holy days? Um, oh, when, you mean that are not, not nationally recognized. Right. Oh. So it's not a public holiday. It's not a, um, like, do you get, how do you get time off of work? Um, or is it that a lot of those holidays are, they about the inside and not necessarily, because like, so, you, okay, so like, like, okay, then I, I get your point, but like, then you have places like Trinidad, right? Mm-hmm. Where it feels like, it almost feels like everybody's religious holidays are acknowledged. Right. right? Because I'm thinking, um, Diwali is, is celebrated there, but it's not celebrated here. So how do right. the people of that religious persuasion or those religious beliefs, um, and like we know that they still celebrate it. Like we we know <laughs> that they still celebrate it. Um, but 
it, it's, it raises the question, like, why is it that... I think this should be a side conversation. Because <laughs> right? I'm going off track here. But I was like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, why is it that certain um, religious holidays are, are deemed to be significant enough that we take a day off? Mm-hmm. And in other instances... Um, where is it simply because we are a minority that our day is not deserving of us taking a day off? Right. Like, that's my. Th- that's just my. my thoughts on it. Like, if you think about Jews and and Sabbaths, um, like, is it uh, in places where Sundays are the the holy day, the mm-hmm. day off? Like, how do they manage? I said that. Um, Saturdays are a regular day for everybody else, and they just have to. But I guess it's, I guess it's like it's weekend. It doesn't. It, it's, it's not going to be as significant yeah, as a weekday. As a weekday yeah. that you um, you take off. Yeah. But yeah, I that's, thought that's I thought it was interesting for them um, in a heathen um, place to just be able to say, okay, we're going to take this day off. But I feel like <laughs> these two days off. <laughs> these two days off, right? I feel like how. Um, what the economy worked back then, it was more like every man for himself in the sense that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you don't have these large establishments that... Um, no capitalism. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's the, I'm a farmer. I make enough olives and um, and grapes to feed my family. And so... And I sell something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have to... I can take whatever days off mm-hmm. I want. Yeah. And this conversation just made me a little miffed <laughs> that... Our denomination has no religious holidays. Ah, uh, that's, that's I'm just throwing that out there. Somebody, somebody, set us up. Give yeah. us, give us some holidays. Like we need. Okay, I was about to say we need to commemorate something, but never mind. Um, I'm not ready for the whole <laughs> of persecuting us for what we believe. I'm not ready for that. It's okay. Um, my final two points on on that passage were that the second letter seems to say like, if anyone is still not sure. These are the days we saw. Because, <laughs> like, and like, it, it made me, like, think of, like, being a teacher and you give instructions and then five minutes later somebody's like, Miss, what do we have to do? <laughs> I, it, it gave me that kind of vibe where we, we're expecting and anticipating that somebody going to come out here and be like, we're celebrating the 14th or the 15th. What are we, do- <laughs> what are we doing, guys? What, what's happening? They're like, just in case. Just in case. Both. Both two. We're doing both two. Yeah, so that, that was interesting to me. And my final point here is that it was repeated again that it will be passed down. Mm. And not just the actual celebrations, but the reason for the celebration. And it gives me the impression that this was something significant to them to pass it down. And saying it out loud, it makes sense to me. Because they almost didn't, did, exist. Did, didn't have the chance to pass anything down or have anyone to pass it down to. So... Just being able to say, we'll pass it down, but would have been a <laughs> yeah, big that's deal. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a cool you have anything to add? No, my last point is about the chapter 10. Okay, so let's get to that. So chapter, chapter 10 was like three verses. Um, and quite fittingly, the book of Esther ends with no mention of Esther. Um, chapter 10 is all about one didn't mention that either that's what I was saying that's what I was saying it's fitting Um, the book started without her it ends without her as well chapter 10 is all about Zerkes and Mordecai and it says that at this point 
Xerxes sets tax on his entire kingdom. It says, um, versions of the Bible talk about it being on both the land and the sea. He was like, even if you're on boats out there, you'll pay <laughs> taxes. Um, and all the things that he did, and the promotions and the power that he gave to Mordecai were recorded in the records of Media and Persia. And Mordecai was second in command to the king, and he was held in high esteem by the Jews because he was their advocate and their helper. Mm. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I still vex with those pre- preservers who didn't preserve. But yeah. yeah. Um, Mordecai, yeah. My, my man, you know, continues to look out for his people and continues to be a man of influence. And I'm here for that. Mm. Yeah, I think. My, my thing was that reading the first verse about because multiple versions said he laid tribute on the land and sea. And I was like, what does that mean? Mm. What does that even mean? But this is that was the benefit of reading multiple versions. Because I oh, finally okay. found a version that said he charged the people taxes. <laughs> and for me, it was interesting. I actually made a point of it because it feels like things are so good at this mm. point that he's able to set taxes on all the provinces. Like, oh. um, it's probably a peaceful time. Because um, I mean, like, when there's war, you you can't raise the taxes. You're looking for a coup. Um, so it feels like things were settled, things were peaceful. And he was like, okay, okay, guys, pay me taxes now. <laughs> no, pay me taxes now. Um, and my, my, my only other note is that Mordecai is recorded as being good with the king and the Jews. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a nice... Um, a, a nice. It made me think about... Um, Jesus, Jesus, yeah, favor God, God and man, man. and yeah. I think that that's what it brought to mind. That here he is, um, being respected and and um, promoted by the the guy in charge, and as well as being respected and revered by his own people. Um, that um literally ties into one of my points on um on God mm-hmm. that he he always gives his people an advocate. And so I don't know that the person writing was meant for um meant for us to draw that um conclusion, conclusion mm-hmm. between Mordecai and Jesus. But like that's yeah, that's the connection I made, the comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um this is something I think <laughs> this is hilarious. Well I found it hilarious because last night when we talked we were talking about this, I started saying something and you immediately said exactly what I was going to say. We found the ending of the book of Esther and the like, Yeah, it was just like, after was, all this hype and the drama intriguing. and action and and all the you know um the the spy music and the and all yeah. that drama, we just like okay. and they all lived happily but, ever after. But right, <laughs> but especially chapter well no especially the end of chapter nine and chapter ten did give me very much the end of a black movie where mm. they do um. And then, and what's her name? Mordecai um, settled down and became <laughs> king's right hand man, and he was a good guy. Mm. And Xerxes, being the king he was, charged everybody taxes. Like, okay. it, it gave me that. It very strongly gave me that. But it, it, it really wasn't. I, I was a little bit let, I wasn't let down. And it makes me wonder have I actually really read the book of Esther before for me to feel this strongly about the end of it? <laughs> you know? I think we've never felt this strongly about the beginning of the book or any part of the book. That's so, true. um, it's the we, I don't know what's the word. 
I think we became attached mm-hmm. maybe to mm-hmm. the characters and, and the story. And storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Our questions. Okay. Tell yeah. me about like what 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 has this um revealed about God to you? I just the same theme through throughout that, you know, God is not only capable but willing to protect and deliver his people and, and by that I can internalize it for me. Um, and the fact that he can use both people and circumstances to accomplish that um, mm-hmm. deliverance. Okay. And uh, I could be one of those people. And the not so good circumstances that I am in could be part of his plan for my deliverance. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact that, you know, his people always have an advocate. And um, I, I could take that literally as in, you know, um, he's going to send somebody to um, stand up for me in my my daily life. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and and spiritually, you know, he sent Jesus to be my advocate, mm-hmm. you know, and stand up for me and to cover me, and I think that's cool. Mm, beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, I was thinking about the fact that. When we talked, what was this? I think this was probably the first half of chapter nine. We made mention of the fact that many of the leaders in the different provinces switched sides. They became alliances for the Jews because they feared Mordecai. And, well, I say switch sides. We don't necessarily know that they switched sides. But I, I feel like some of them originally would have been anti- against the Jews. Right? Mm-hmm. And... It made me think, like, because we talked about, like, Mordecai's spin around from um, serving to the gate to the king's second-hand man. And I think just considering that, that here are these people who may have still wanted, I mean, not at this point they can't afford to want him harm, but, like, people who may have initially wanted harm for him. And my point was that God has the ability to lift me up, even in the presence of those who may be plotting my downfall. Mm-hmm. And turn your enemies into your allies. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He will use those same people who yeah. were trying to um bring me down. Come to my aid. Yeah. That's that's I started writing a second point, but I was not sure when I when I was done writing it, I was like, is this a lesson about God or is this something you want to apply to your life? And like it could go either way. But um and I think it it kind of sounds a lot like something you said a while ago is that even at the darkest points where i want to put on sackcloth and ash i can cling to the hope that god isn't done yet mm. That's, that makes me feel nice and warm inside yeah yeah, yeah. so like no, no matter how bad it gets the story the, isn't over yeah we yeah. still have the what do you call it what do you call that at the end that's not the postscript the epilogue mm. yeah, yeah epilogue. we still have the epilogue to look forward to of you being um, right, right, right hand man mm-hmm. to the king. Yeah. yeah. So those are my takeaways for God. What about your life? What are you doing with your life? This is the, the one I'm taking and I need to apply, apply. Um, not that I shouldn't have applied all the others before, <laughs> but um, this reminded me of, we spoke about this in a side conversation, that um, the worship session with our family. And it was, we spoke about, um, that night, we spoke about how we could develop our relationship with God. And 
in the side conversation, we spoke specifically about prayer. But there was one, one of our cousins spoke about journaling that night. And it just, it clicked for me. Because um, when we document what God has done for us, like, it can be so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, to In order to document it, you have to be paying attention. So And processing. Mm-hmm. Right. So number one, you're paying attention, you're processing. Um, oh my, this is something that God has, has done for me. Um, and then you write it down. So later down the line, you can look back and be like, but why am I worried now? This is what God did for me then. Mm-hmm. Why can't he do it for me now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think the Jews habit of documenting and not just documenting, but um, com- commemorating um, every year, every um, so often celebrating Mm -hmm. that this is where God has taken us from. This is what God has done for us. Um, I think that that helps to build trust and, and it, it makes facing disaster. um, I would hope easier. And so that's something I want to adopt. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to do the feasting and celebrating. (laughs) Um, But I think like significant moments in my life, not just birthdays and, um, and um and anniversaries but like times that god has come through for me in a significant way i want to record it i want to document it and i want to make it uh um, something to commemorate Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah that one point of yours kind of dealt with two of my points um so i'll just mention them quickly um I've, it has been my experience, not like not necessarily me personally experiencing, but like observing that sometimes in our more conservative communities, <laughs> um, we tend to want to police how people react to their breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. And um, even in, even when we're not necessarily aware that they've had a breakthrough, but we tend to want to pol- police how people, I don't want to say praise because that's like us a wide term but when god does come through for us sometimes we need to celebrate and have a party mm-hmm. yeah. so i think that was that was my point and it was it's a twofold for me in that i need to mind my business mm-hmm. and not be looking at how other people react and respond to their deliverance mm-hmm. like you decide to have a party good for you sis good for you bro like like this is how you respond to god's coming through for you but i on i on the other hand need to take the time to maybe and maybe in some instances publicly Mm, um celebrate the deliverance and goodness of god and i think like you rightly said sometimes in order to to very well do that we need to document it and the second point i wanted to tie on that is that it is important to share the way God has come through for you with those who come after. So not necessarily um, the next generation, um, mm-hmm. like kids and grandkids, but it could be those who've come after you right now. So the people who may have not been in your life when the breakthrough happened, mm-hmm. or it could be younger cousins or younger friends or um, nephews and nieces, just people who were not there when it happened but you you share that um that breakthrough you share that deliverance and 
you sh- maybe share how you celebrated that breakthrough and that deliverance. So that this isn't something that they can be processing and be like, well, when God comes through for me, maybe I can react that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should react that way as well. So you you borrow from the Jews and, and you pass it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, like you rightly said, this has to come with the documentation. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, so for me, I think the biggest takeaway from this chapter is that it is important to use my position and my influence to advocate for those who may have not have no voice or may not be in a position to speak up and not just advocate with them for people above them but in this case case advocate for them with themselves tell them it's okay you can celebrate your breakthrough. Mm, okay. It's okay. Um, God has come through for you. Mm, okay. In a like in a in a awe-inspiring, jaw-dropping way. This is something you have every right to celebrate. Yeah. So I think that a lot of the times we think about advocacy and we think about um speaking for somebody in to some on behalf of on, ah, on their behalf to okay. someone else. But sometimes you have to speak to them on their own behalf to themselves. Mm, okay. So that's cool. my point. I think we're done here. Okay. And that brings us to the end of Esther. Yes. Um, we still want to do a recap um, kind of thing. And hopefully we can bring in some guests. <laughs> uh, we're still negotiating. Um, I think we could convince them. I think we could persuade them. Um, so that should be our next one. Um, we want to... Uh, yeah, just recap the story on a whole. Um, revisit some of our major lessons and takeaways. And our favorite moments. Highlights, yes. Yeah, our highlights. So, um, yeah, that's the end of um, Esther. Uh, we want to look at another short book based on a, a lady next. Um, so you can look out for that as well. Um and we're also very open to recommendations of what we should study next. Yes, so. please let us know. Um, because the next book we do is very short. Yeah. So, um, let us know your thoughts and your any comments, um, any questions. Okay. I don't know if we can answer questions, <laughs> but we would love to think about that. Yeah. The, yeah, we'd love to think about your questions. Not necessarily answer them, but yeah. So um, feel free to interact with us in the comments. And um, I think that's it. Yep. All right, so this has been What Shall We Say to These Things? With you, Jay. I'm... <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> okay. I'm MG. And until, until next time, time, we're out. We're out.